Welcome to League of Lit, where we discuss books, adaptations, and anything else we wish to talk about and tie it to lit, because we can. This is very much like a, it's already super tight to so we don't have to. This is true. And I will apologize to the audience in advance. Sierra is struggling to get her voice back. She recently lost it, but is a trooper, and we're recording a podcast episode anyways. So we'll see what happens. (laughs) (laughs) So this is going to be a a quieter episode. Relaxing. as, As we all speak in hushed tones. My coworkers keep being like, you should record one of those things where they help people sleep. I'm like, (laughs) you're not wrong. It's rude, but it's not wrong. (laughs) So this episode may put you to sleep. Even though the play that we are discussing is, you know, a little more lively. Just a little. Just a little. It's a little, it's a little silly, honestly, mm-hmm. in the in the best way possible. Yes. And today's episode was recommended by an audience member over on our Tumblr. However, they did it anonymously, so I don't really have a way to shout them out specifically. But hopefully, they are still listening to our podcast and they enjoy today's episode as well as all of you. Before we had started talking about anything, it is a truth universally acknowledged that we are not a spoiler-free podcast. So if you haven't seen or read this play since 1852 when it was first introduced, um, sorry, I guess. (laughs) Maybe get out more. (laughs) And that play is The Importance of Being Earnest by Oscar Wilde. Brilliant. So there's not really a whole lot more background other than what's already been given, the 1852 and it's Oscar Wilde. The fact that it's Oscar Wilde alone lets you know it's going to be a wild ride. Truly, literally. Pun fully intended. Wild with We'll just dive right in uh, to the play and then we'll walk through some of our adaptations that we have set aside to discuss. The play is split into three acts, and your main characters are Ernest, but he's not really Ernest. Like Jack, it's confusing. Yes, this is this is where it already gets confusing because you're first introduced to him as Ernest, but then you find out his name is not really Ernest; it's Jack, and he has a friend called Algernon. <laughs> which is already a mouthful of a name. And Algernon has a cousin named Gwendolyn who Jack slash Ernest is in love with and wants to marry. But Gwendolyn's mom, Lady Bracknell, is the queen of stupid high expectations. Yeah. Like some people think that they, the reason why they're single is because they have too high of expectations no the reason why Gwendolyn is single is because her mother has too high of expectations truly and it's not like oh you know it's this about this and that about their character no 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 no. it has to do with social status it has to do with health history like it's 
ridiculous things that it's like, why, why is this something that we care about? Yeah. She has some very weird points that she likes to talk about. And you're like, why is this important? But also that's what makes her so fun. Yes, it is. And so when Jack slash Ernest discloses to Algernon that his name is not really Ernest, even though that's the name that Algernon has known him by for forever, it gives Algernon an idea because there is somebody that it, it's Jack's ward, Cecily. For whatever reason, Algernon becomes obsessed with the idea of this ward of Jack's slash Ernest. Uh, and decides to take the backstory that Jack slash Ernest created so he could be there in the city with Algernon and Gwendolyn that, you know, it now Algernon whisks himself away to the country where Jack's ward Cecily is and mass chaos ensues. Mass chaos sounds like a really good word for what's about to happen. <laughs> Mass chaos. Mass. The last four characters, I wouldn't say they're less important, they're just slight background characters. Although, mm-hmm. considering this is a play that only has about eight or nine characters in general, I would say none of them are background. <laughs> they're like... Half ground. Yeah, yeah. They're not foreground, so, but they're not fully background. Yeah, I agree. So I guess they're just ground characters. They're just ground characters. They're so very very deep analysis of how plays work. So the next little set of characters are like we said, they're sort of the the middling characters. They're there, they're involved. They kind of have storylines of their own while being slightly involved. In the main storyline. Um, so we have Miss Prism, who is Cecily's governess, and kind of a mess. She's kind of a mess. You're not wrong. We have the Reverend Cannon, which is such a great name. Cannon. And he is the priest of Jack slash Ernest Paris, but Jack is everybody in the country knows Jack. This play really just makes you keep track of who's Ernest. It's the biggest. It should literally just be called Who is Ernest right now. <laughs> <laughs> then we have Lane, who is Algernon's manservant, and Merriman, who is the butler at Jack's country house. And that is the entirety of the cast of The Importance of Being Ernest, or Who is Ernest right now. Oh man. I like I've I've read I've seen this play several times. I've obviously seen one of the adaptations of this play several times because I love it. Mm-hmm. Um and I've always kind of been really fascinated with Oscar Wilde because the way that he writes and, and what he wrote at the time period was very odd. And uh, anybody who studies Oscar Wilde will tell you that, but he's very much somebody who, and this is like directly a quote from Oscar Wilde, he believes 
that we should treat all trivial things in life very seriously and all serious things in life with sincere and studied triviality. He's very much somebody who wants to look at everything from every way. Because, and I think part of that is because he was living in such a constricted society and he had such sort of broad and interesting ideas. Because mm-hmm. technically, I mean, not now, obviously, but when this play came out, it was banned. A lot of that had to do with Oscar Wilde himself rather than the actual... The actual content of the play. Yeah, the actual content of the play. But to think that something is trivial and silly as the importance of being earnest or who is earnest right now was banned is crazy. Because it's literally just two men both using the same name at different times in different places and it just happens to get all misconstrued together. It's an interesting commentary, I think, on social life in the mid-1800s. Yeah. And if you're not asleep now, you will be. (laughs) (laughs) The rest of the play really takes place, like, quote, in the country. Um, And because in the first act, Ernest slash Jack proposes to Gwendolyn, and she accepts despite what her mother says. And then when Algernon takes on the role of Ernest while they're in the country, um, it causes a lot of confusion because this is where uh, Cecily is quite innocent and quite imaginative um, because for whatever reason, she has claimed that she has been engaged to Ernest for almost three years, she wrote all of his letters that he wrote to her and, you know, literally created this entire backstory behind her relationship with this earnest guy that she has never met. She has only ever heard of him being a uh, a troublemaker that Jack has to deal with. Therefore, that's what whisks him away to the city on a whim. Like... There's the, it's just very convoluted because Jack is unique, using Ernest in two different ways. You know, he's using Ernest to be accepted into society, and then he's using Ernest as an excuse to not be with Cecily. And so that's already messed up. And then once we're in the country, you have Gwendolyn still believing that Jack is Ernest, Cecily now believing that Algernon is Ernest, neither of them is named Ernest. Who is Ernest? And so it's it's twisted and convoluted and beautiful and Shakespeare would be very proud. (laughs) (laughs) And because of that confusion, you see Gwendolyn and Cecily kind of getting into a little bit of a cat fight of sorts about who is engaged to who. And, you know, like I said earlier, it's, it's mass chaos but it's mass social chaos. And as I mentioned before, um, Lady Bracknell is like very obsessed with a person's background, like their backstory. And we, we learn earlier in the play that Jack slash Ernest was adopted. He never knew who his parents were. He was found in 
a bag of sorts. I don't remember exactly what kind of bag it was. Um, it's a handbag. Was it a handbag? Yeah, it was a handbag. Okay. For whatever reason, I also had like a carpet bag in my head, but well, I don't know in how. The, um, specifically in the 2002 movie, it looks like a carpet bag. Okay. That pro- that's they probably why. I'm like, that's a, that's, that's like a travel size bag. It's like a carry on. Look off. <laughs> <laughs> to be able to put a baby in, it has to be like a carry on. Yeah. Unless the baby's super tiny. <gasps> But um, but Jack was found in a bag at a train station, and so he was found and given and was named Jack, and and that's kind of like I mean, considering his life story, Jack's done very well. Yes. He has a country home. He obviously has somewhere to stay in the city. Despite the fact that he's Ernest in the city and Jack in the country. He has people that work for him. He has an award. Like, you weren't just walking around picking up awards in the 1800s. Like, mm-hmm. there had to be a reason that you were given an award. Or that award came to live with you. But, like, Jack's done very well for himself. Right? Gwendolyn's mother's problem is that he's just not everything she expects him to be, which is a lot. And Gwendolyn's problem becomes that he's not named Ernest. Which is one of the weirdest aspects of this play that both Gwendolyn and and Cecily have always dreamed of being married to someone named Ernest. Listen, the only really safe name is Ernest. But But it's not a common name. How did you land on that one? It it wasn't common, but it was highly respected at the time. I don't know that I've ever met anybody named Ernest. Or well, no, we we wouldn't have met anybody named Ernest. It's like Ain't the only Ernest I can think of is Ernest Hemingway. Ain't nobody going around here naming their babies Ernest. They're naming their babies Kujapa. Like <laughs> we don't. Ernest is very old fashioned. But at the time, it was a highly respected name. Very weird. I'm like, how many artists were just walking around living their lives? And we've never heard of them. Yeah. I'm even trying to think. I was like, so if if Ernest was a, a popular name at the time of this play being written, what would the name be if it was fully translated to, like, today's society? What what's that name that people have their girlish dreams of being married to? Honestly, my brain just goes to like popular celebrities. So Chris. Chris, because um, <laughs> we have a lot of Chris's. Slightly younger than us, crowd would be like Harry, because Harry Styles. Right. Tom, Chris, Tom, and Harry. Those are all really like just boring. I'm sorry. My brain just jumped to uh, Kiss Me, Kate, Tom, Harry, or Dick. Yeah, right? It's almost the same thing. But going back to um, to Jack's handbag story, it turns out that Miss Prism, once upon a time, was a governess slash nanny for another family. And 
with that, it was her fault, her scatterbrainedness, that Jack was left in a handbag in a train station. Which is insanity, first of all. But also, she can then prove that Jack is from a good family, mm-hmm. which helps Gwendolyn's mother out tremendously. She's like, oh my goodness, he's good enough for you now. And the funny thing is, Jack is Algernon's older brother. That is where that all wraps up. And in very, very 1800s fashion, we're going to marry our cousin. (laughs) And then the real kicker at the end of this play is finding out that Jack's, like, true birth-given name is Ernest. Listen, this play goes from zero to 60 to 100 to 120 to 60. (laughs) To 120. Oh, man. And listen, it's very unfair, I think, that Gwendolyn gets to live her dreams of being married to Ernest, but Cecily has to give hers up to be married to Algernon. But the thing is, before we even found out that, like, Jack's legal like legit legal name was Ernest both Jack and Algernon were prepared to go be christened because that was all it took during that time period to get their names changed ridiculous like they loved these women so much which Algernon is kind of crazy because it's like dude you haven't really known her for that long where like like Gwendolyn and Jack have had a like Long series, like, wooing period. But, like, dude, you you haven't been around Cecily for that long. Are you sure? I mean, listen, Mr. Collins walked into the house (laughs) and was ready to propose to the eldest daughter. So, like, we're not not questioning (laughs) anybody's experience. That man literally said, that one. And then they were like, no. And he was like, that one. He would have just kept going had Elizabeth not rejected him the way she did. And in a way, I kind of wish he would have just, you know, kept going down the line because then he would have ended up with Mary. Mary, And now we're getting sidetracked. (laughs) (laughs) We've jumped books to something else. Sorry, we've already done that. It's like a three-part episode. Go listen. With a full book discussion on YouTube. So let's talk about some adaptations now that we're sort of giving you the baseline of what this play is about. Yes. Which, I mean, like, if you were to find, because um, I listened to this play um, be performed by, like, a radio drama cast, and it was, like, all of, like, two hours. Like, it does not take long to get through. And honestly, it's a very fast-paced play because things just keep happening that are ridiculous. So you're constantly in motion. In this mm-hmm. There's really not a lot of dull, oh God, what's happening? It's because everything's so silly. Right. So I highly recommend if you can find, like Kara said, a good, a good radio adaptation. Or go see it. If you can go see it, like I said, I've seen it several times and it's brilliant to watch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So first adaptation that we have, it was done in 1952, and it was written and directed by Anthony Esquith. 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 I don't know. Um, 
and I say written and directed it. He kind of like adapted, adapted. he adapted the play uh, for screen. And so that's where the, the writer director comes into play. Um, Ernest slash Jack is Michael Redgrave. Ernest slash Algernon is Michael Dennison. We just had to have Michaels, you know, it's fine. Um, Gwendolyn was Joan Greenwood and Cecily was Dorothy Tutton. That version I've genuinely never seen. I didn't really have a lot of want to try to find it. So I was like, I'm just going to pretend. And I've seen it. It was great. I've only seen two adaptations on our list. I just found them on IMDb and made notes. There we go. So the next one that's on our list is 1988, which was directed by Stuart Burge. Uh, Ernest slash Jack was played by Paul McGann. Uh, Ernest slash Algernon was played by Rupert Fraser. Gwendolyn was played by Amanda Redman. And Cecily was played by Natalie Ogle. I know nothing else about this one. Nothing. Um, The next one I found is a 1992 and I believe this one was made for TV. I didn't really get like more of an impression of it than that. Um, but it was directed by Kurt Baker. And it was actually an adaptation that featured an all-black cast. Which I was like, I don't watch this. Um, it had Daryl Keith Roach as Jack slash Ernest. Ren T. Brown as Algernon slash Ernest. Lene Chapman, I'm not sure if I said her first name correctly, um, as Cecily, and Chris Calloway as Gwendolyn. And again, I know very little about this version, other than that it apparently features an all-black cast and seems to have been made for TV. There we go. This next one uh, we'll probably linger a little bit longer on because I think this is one that we've both seen. I feel like this is the one that like most schools show when they do this play, um, and that is the 2002 version that was written and directed by Oliver Parker. It has Colin Firth as Ernest slash Jack, Rupert Everett as Ernest slash Algernon, uh, Francis O'Connor as Gwendolyn, Reese Witherspoon as Cecily, and we actually have Dame Judi Dench as Lady Bracknell in this one. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even um, Miss Prism, Anna Massey, she's very notable if you see the play. If you see the movie. Yeah, this is my favorite adaptation, for sure. Colin Firth and Rupert Everett are just such a fun like pairing as Jack and Algernon. They're both already just such great actors, and then you put them together in this very ridiculous situation. And Rupert's more known, I think, for being ridiculous. I mean, you look at him in, like, My Best Friend's Wedding. He plays the gay best friend who agrees to pretend to be a fiancé and starts to sing along in a lobster restaurant. Like, he's very much used to being sort of the silly guy. And then you have Colin, who has a slightly more serious work, if you look through his work. But even then, I mean, like, What a Girl Wants... And Porn's Me Arms, they're very much in the same time period. So he had started kind of moving in the direction of being a little less serious. And the way that they act together, literally at the end, finding out that they're brothers, well, yeah, of course they are. Mm-hmm. The way they act together, there's no doubt 
that they're brothers. Well, and I think that kind of goes into how sometimes you have those friendships that feel a little more like sibling relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it probably was not that difficult of a transition. And I think Rupert Everett and Colin Firth really like display that relationship really well. That kind of just establishes the fact that it's like, okay, even after they found out that, Oh, they legit are brothers. Um, they can transition into that. It's not going to be that difficult of a fact to accept. Oh, very fun little trivia note to know about two of these people in this play, slash movie, in this movie. So Dame Judi Dench and Anna Massey actually reprised their roles as Lady Bracknell in this prism. They had played them um, on the London stage in 1982, and Anna had actually received an Olivier Award for that performance. There you go. Which, crazy to think that 20 years earlier they played the same character. Yes. And Oliver Parker, who directed this, had also directed, has also directed two other Oscar Wilde plays, um, An Ideal Husband, which also starred Rupert Everett. And then in 2009, he did Dorian Gray, which I've seen only because it's Dorian Gray and because of who's in it. <laughs> Maybe we'll talk about Dorian Gray one day. One day. The next adaptation that we have on our list is only so shocking, depending on how long you've been listening to the podcast. It's a web series. Um, But it's been a minute since we've discussed a web series on the podcast. But uh, this web series was done in 2014, and it's called In Earnest. It was done by Severe Chill Studios, which they've only done one other web series, and Maybe we'll talk about it one day. Maybe we won't, depending on if we ever cover the topic. Um, but for this one, they, the first episode aired on October 1st of 2014. And then the last episode aired on February 14th of 2015. And I mean, like they have, it's a fun cast. They do like try to modernize it because, you know, how would you explain vlogging in the 1800s? I wish somebody would try <laughs> like those TikTok videos of like you're the first Victorian person I see when I go back in time and like what they would show something. <laughs> Kara would try to explain vlogging so that we get there earlier. <laughs> um, but like the whole because even if you think of like the purpose of the play how would you um, even set it up to fit a modern audience and what Jack slash Ernest decides, because he's the first video we get to see. Because um, essentially, while all of these videos are all posted on one channel, it's like we're getting to see snippets of three different channels. Um, and those channels belong to Ernest slash Jack, Ernest slash Algernon, and Cecily. With the first video that we get to see from Jack... He is declaring his intentions and deciding he's wanting to document the process to show how serious and he wants to be more open about his relationship with Gwendolyn because apparently Gwendolyn is big into social media but somehow misses Jack's videos. 
so I can't, I <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking it's it's more so Gwendolyn is big into Instagram. Um, I, I think that's really more of where it is, not so much of the the YouTube or um, yeah. she's also big into Twitter. That's a, that's another area that she's big in. Where Algernon's purpose of making videos is he is a theater major and just wants to share his process of becoming greatness. <laughs> like, no joke. It's very Algernon, though. Yes. He's a very particular kind of person. Uh-huh. And then Cecily's purpose is... Um, they have her grieving her father, but her mother is still alive. So there's no like ward situation between Jack and Cecily. Mostly because we don't do that now. Well, I think another way that they could have done it though is that Cecily could have been inadvertently adopted um, into Jack's family. Jack is still an adopted boy. Well, yes, they can't change that because they have to talk about the hand. Exactly. That, for whatever reason, Jack has with him at college. Listen, if I had the bag that I was found in, that thing would be in tatters by the time I died. I'd be like, I carried this with me everywhere. I was found in this bag. This is my bag. I'll tell everybody the story of how I was found in a bag at a train station because somebody can't do their job. <laughs> well, in this adaptation, it's an airport. Because, you know, modern 21st is, century. Just as weird. Also, it would have been, I think, a little easier to find him in the modern world. I don't disagree. I can't help write this adaptation. It's already been written. <laughs> it is, I will say, this is kind of a hard play to adapt just because of some of the subject. You know. Well, the, and... I think some of what like adds to the ridiculousness that already exists in the play, but like it heightens it a little bit more is the fact that it's like all of this is on the internet yeah. where anybody can find where it. Anybody can find it. The internet is forever. So how did the people involved in the situation not know any of it? The fact that like, Jack video, Jack's video never went viral enough that the news stations were like, this boy is saying that he was left in a bag at an airport. First of all, don't put your children in bags. There are actual carriers made for them nowadays. In the 1800s, you know what? Yeah, that's fine. Put them in a bag. But like nowadays, there are actual carriers made for children. Don't put your children in bags. First of all, that is the first thing that I learned, is don't put your children in bags. In a handbag, in a carpet mm -hmm. bag, in any kind of bag, because that is um, not safe. <laughs> Miss Prism, honestly, in reality, like if you think about like nowadays, think about somebody just leaving a baby in a bag at an airport. You go it's to jail. Child abandonment. It's, it's child neglect. It's abandonment. It's got to be some type of abuse. You would go to jail. Yes. In the 1800s? No, whatever. She became a nanny for somebody else. But, like, 
you would go to jail nowadays if you did this. Yep. I'm just and, and in this adaptation, it's um, instead of Miss Prism being Cecily's governess, they created a role with the same last name. So you have Lacey Prism, who is Cecily's roommate, but it's Lacey's mom who left Jack in an airport. And Lacey's mom should go to jail. <laughs> and it's interesting how they adapted the the ground characters um, in this adaptation because you have Lane, who is, as established before, uh, Algernon's manservant. But in this one, Lane is uh, Algernon's roommate that Algernon knows very little about. Like, he is, for whatever reason, obsessed with the fact that at one point Lane was engaged. And he brings it up at, like, random moments throughout the, the like, 47 episodes. He's just like, oh, by the way, Lane was engaged. <laughs> He's like, how is this man engaged? Um, not now. Yeah. Um, and then we've already mentioned uh, Lacey Prism. And then Lacey Prism's little love interest. Because I don't know that we really discussed it when we uh, were going through the basis of the play. But the uh, the reverend, whose name is escaping me, he and Miss Prism have little bit of like very strong like flirty energy um but it's very unclear as to whether or not because of his role in society if he's allowed to marry yeah you're like really the, in the original source material that is there's really no impression in the original source material whether or not he's allowed to do it yes like, you're, 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 you're a but also you know there's very specific types of religious men yes could marry and there are specific types that couldn't i mean again you have mr collins um mm-hmm. well his name is gone that guy nobody likes and emma why elton elton but in this web series this is a guy who was in seminary but decided to go to regular college which I think it's wonderful for people who uh, who do want to pursue seminary. I just am confused as to why specifically this one, this specific character, why he made that jump. It it doesn't make complete sense to me. He just didn't feel like it was right. But yet he was still taking classes that felt like seminary. And I think that's what confuses me most. Again, I can't explain this adaptation to you as I did not write it. <laughs> did you say you did not like it? I did not write it. You did not write it. I was like, <laughs> wait a second. This then, changes the conversation. <laughs> it was fine. I didn't like watch the whole thing. But I did get the basis of the characters. And that's yes. why I can very rarely say Miss Prism should be in jail. <laughs> I will say I skipped 
several of Algernon's episodes. He's a liar. Well, it's like if it was very clear because some of Algernon's episodes was literally just him um, singing. Yeah. There was no like plot movement. It was just noise. Which like, you know, worked but didn't at the same time. Yeah. Um, like it worked in the sense of like that was in fact like Algernon's purpose for his channel. So, you know, seeing one was totally fine. But having to see it. But it was like multiple. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, all right, we get it. He's theater. He's, you know, music, whatever. But it plot movement, add, please. Yeah, it should still add something to the plot. What's the point of making it its own episode if it's not going to add anything to the Exactly. And they do have in some of in one of Cecily's episodes where they have they mention Green Gables fables, which we have talked about on the podcast before. And so it's like there's a possible like crossover there, which I mean, because of when this was made, like this was the height and the height of um YouTube like trans well it's like transmedia in general yeah. like almost every single web series that adapted a piece of literature also had like tumblr pages twitter pages instagram pages like like for every single character so it was a fully submersive experience um does did not mean that you could not enjoy it just b- based on like watching each episode on that was po- posted on YouTube. But like if you really wanted to fully submerge yourself into the world, you had that option and that opportunity. And that was kind of the point of all of that was that it was supposed to be a submersive environment because I mean if you really look at like actual movies or actual TV shows, while we don't necessarily have all that extra background, you sort of feel like you get it in a lot of ways. And so when they started creating all this type of media, specifically as on YouTube, I think because everything was so small, you know, you were doing episodes that were eight minutes, five minutes, you know, however long, you needed the background stuff because in typical movie and TV, you do kind of get the background, even if it comes a little later. It's harder when your episodes are five to ten minutes long to really give all that information, even if you're going to do like a hundred and something episodes. Right. So, because you have to get the plot moving and all this stuff doesn't have anything to do with the plot. I don't fully remember why I made this note on it. Probably just to talk about the fact that Turkish Delight is disgusting. Um, But rose flavored Turkish Delight is mentioned at some point. I want to say it's Gwendolyn. That, 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 Maybe in, like, preparation for, you know, like, in all the wedding planning. Yeah. I don't know. First of all, this is the second time this month that I've discussed Turkish Delight and how disgusting it is, Um, which is very fun. And second of all, I think that looking at this entire play as a whole, every character, Gwendolyn is my least favorite, like, around the world. Because she comes off very, even snootier than her mother. Because her mother, while being snooty about specific things, 
doesn't necessarily always come off that way, despite being played by women like Ju- Dame Judi Dench. Um, mm-hmm. But Gwendolyn always sort of gives off that nose in the air, as high as it can possibly go type of attitude about everything. And I think it's probably done on purpose because as I said, I think in every adaptation I've ever seen, she's always my least favorite. And I feel like Oscar Wilde wrote her that way. Because, and I, but I think that like, like if you look at like Frances O'Connor's portrayal of her, I think she really took that to like the tippity top of where it could be. Because every time I see Gwendolyn, I'm always just like, well, even if you, like when you look at when Gwendolyn and Cecily meet for the first time in any adaptation, it's a there's no way Ernest could love you like from Gwendolyn to Cecily. And it's just like, ma'am. <laughs> but why? I need reasons. You have to give me reasons. Reasons beyond that I am younger than you, that you might be a little, I might be prettier than you. Which, like, I mean, on the basis, they're both very beautiful women. But, like, it, the Gwendolyn has just always given me that very snooty air, which I think is, I think that's the way she's written. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think this, um, this web series highlights that because there, like, one of the things that this web series actually, like, takes the time to process through a little bit, which is how they lengthened it, it a little bit more. Um, is the fact that Gwendolyn struggles with the whole, you're not Ernest, your name is Jack. And, but for whatever reason, she still chooses to stay in the engagement, which makes no sense to me. I feel like it would have been broken off. I mean, it's broken off in the original. I mean, even if it's only for like three minutes. Right. In the source material, it is broken off. Right. But they never break it off in this one. Not really. Like, she still is working towards planning this wedding. But at the same time, she is questioning, who is this man that I've agreed to marry? Because his because his name is not Ernest. He has been lying to me for two years, saying that his name is Ernest and it's not and for whatever reason, that is, like, the biggest travesty in the world. Why do I feel like that's just, like, very on-brand energy for, like, like, um, like, the, my brother used to go by his middle name. And then when he went to high school, he started going by his first name. But I just imagine, like, the idea of, like, dating somebody who goes by a specific name. And then you've been dating them for years. Everybody calls them by this name. It's, like, never a question. And then suddenly you're, like, engaged. They're talking about things. You order wedding invitations, and you're, like, wait a minute. <laughs> That's not your first name? And they're, like, no. And you're, like, that's the same energy that that gives me. Mm-hmm. In a modern in a modern setting. But the thing is, like, it's not like it's uncommon for people no, to not go saying. by their first name. That's what I'm saying. My brother went by his middle name for most of his life, mostly because my dad and my grandfather have the exact same name. But, like, which is generally why people go yeah. by their middle name instead of their first name if their first name is given. To me, I think, in, again, in the modern setting, see, this is why I think it's hard to add. Some things just don't work modern because the thing with the handbag in the airport, first of all, jail. Second of all, 
probably would have been a little bit easier to figure it out, specifically if they're a more prominent family. Well, and the other thing with that is because of their money, they would have been able to do more. Well, it would have been, oh, what was Natalie somebody who was like on the news forever. Oh, Natalie, it's a Holloway? Right. I, yeah, I think that's what it is. Yeah, right? as like I was trying to think of it the other day, but like she was the girl who went missing in the islands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and like she was on like her face was on the news for years because they were trying to figure out what happened. And you also have to think about like an airport in 2014. Or well, how old is he? Well, in this adaptation? He would have been in college. He's, 18. An airport. Well, no, he's the, in his like 20s. Yeah, an airport even in the 90s or the late 80s would have had security cameras. Yeah. Like, while, yes, this situation would have technically happened pre-9-11, it's still... We still, still had security cameras. Yeah. There were still security measures put into place for this type of situation. Yeah. A missing child in an airport, it's pretty easy to shut the airport down and find the child. Mm-hmm. Y'all got on the plane, and the child was left. Mm-hmm. No. Also, there's some neglect on the parents' part. Lots of people in jail. Lots of people in jail. <laughs> and then, and then Gwendolyn say about his name. I'm like, so what if he wanted to be called Ernest? His, he, his nickname. You can literally, I could go to a school right now. I could go to college and be like, I want to be called Billy Bob. And they would have to call me Billy Bob. Mm-hmm. And that's not like a gender thing or whatever. Like, you know. All of this stuff. That's just you're allowed to change your my brother literally went to high school and said, Don't want don't don't call me Brandon anymore. Mm-hmm. And the teachers were like, Okay, like it's really not easy. So the fact that he just wanted to be and she gets so stuck on it. But she stays engaged. She is, so, she is so fixated on it. Cause I mean, think about how many people truly reinvent themselves when they go away to college. Yeah. Because your 20s are literally discovering yourself, finding who you believe you are outside of your family because your 20s is the first time you really get to be outside of your family. Yeah. Homegirl's just... She's just Upset. stuck on it. Upset. But, like, in the... It, it really is the time period because in the 1800s, your name was everything. Your mm-hmm. name was what got you into society. So, like, yes, him changing his name in the 1800s would have been really kind of ridiculous. It was also almost, easier to do. Yeah, but almost like a little offensive because this man has been pretending to be a part of society, you know? Now it's like, who cares? Who cares? Like, truly, who cares? If you want to keep Apparently calling him Quindlin does. If you want to keep calling him Ernest, just ask if he wants to be continue to be called Ernest. Well, and the thing is, this is where it almost makes Lady Bracknell in this adaptation look like a better human than Gwendolyn. Because I don't even think um Lady Bracknell like batted an eye if she even knew. That there was a, oh, your name is actually Jack? Like. And then, but then in the end, your name is actually Ernest. Exactly. Who cares what his name is? 
Do you love this man? This Do you? Gwendolyn, we're not all so lucky to have not only one man in our lives, but technically two. He's got two names. So, like, get over it. It's not like he changed who he was at the core. He just changed his name. I, I'm telling you, I could go out in the world. I'm going to start a Tinder. I'm going to make my name Pinnacle. <laughs> it's not going to change. Is it going to be my photos and my information and my work? Men are just going to be like, your name is Benny Bunny. I'm mean, like, if it is, you have a problem with that? Exactly. It's a different <laughs> time period, really. I don't think it works as well in modern society. No, I don't. And Because if you care that much, honestly, you got to go. <laughs> I was like, I will say, I remember, um, I remember when this came out because, you know, it was all of all of the web series that were going on i definitely have no memory of finishing it the first go round i think i w- maybe watched the first two episodes and was like okay we're good i'm going to blame gwendolyn and algernon singing <laughs> <laughs> uh, but i let it play on the in the background in preparation for uh, this podcast while i did other things so i wasn't fully paying attention anyways Moving on to so the next two that I have on the list um, is we're, we're done in 2015 and 2018, and they're both stage like pro shots. Yeah. Yeah. And the only like the 2015 one was directed by Adrian Noble and the 2018 one was uh, d- directed by Michael Fintiman. Um, and the only thing I really noted as far as casting goes is the 2015 one has David Suchet as Lady Bracknell. Which I think is a fun choice. Yeah, and for me, the only thing that was notable out of the 2018 was that Jeremy Swift was the reverend because I love him in Ted Lasso. He's so good in Ted Lasso. Yeah, that's really, that's it. Yeah, there's not really much else to, like, dive into or dissect. I think we've covered it. Dissected as much as we can. I mean, there's, if you really want to dissect Oscar Wilde, you're more than welcome to. There's a lot to dissect about Oscar as a person, as a writer. So, Which you can get a glimpse into that um, through Edgar Allan Poe's murder mystery uh, that we discussed, discussed yes. uh, near the end of season one. So you can check that one out. This play is silly and fun and that's really what Oscar Wilde wanted out of it. Was it meant to be taken seriously? No. So watch it literally in the knowledge that none of of this is real. This is a dream. It's fantasy. It's very Shakespeare. Mm -hmm. None of this is meant to be taken seriously. Very midsummer. Like just it's silly. It's fun. It's a play that was meant to entertain. And if you're not asleep, <laughs> I highly recommend you download the Calm app. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> if only if, you were sponsored by the Calm app, this would be the perfect time for me to. <laughs> I mean, if there's ever, if anybody would like to sponsor the podcast, Specifically let us know. Um, 
you know, Audible, Calm app, uh, you know, any any bookish thing. Um, we we are open to discussions. Kenneth Branagh, if you're listening, he'd be a great sponsor. <laughs> We've talked about everything he's ever done. This is true. <laughs> so give us a call. Five 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 two eight two one. I feel like it's a number for something that you were just pulled out of your memory banks. I have no eight six six. Sorry. <laughs> I'm done. You you can you know reach out to us through our Tumblr at leagueoflittumblr.com um, or on Instagram at leagueoflitpodcast. So you know those are also options. But um, before we you know actually do that in our outro, thank you, Oscar Wilde. For writing this play and it's all of its ridiculousness ridiculous play. um as always big thanks to Zachary for making us pretty keeping us beautiful and um, for having several K's in his name and never trying to change it to Ernest although if you did want to I support and of course as always thanks to you for listening for dealing with us and for um, maybe not following the same dreams while so thank you for tuning into League of Lit make sure that you follow us at League of Lit Podcast on Instagram if you have any suggestions for an episode feel free to leave a comment on leagueoflit.com.com <laughs>